Hey, girlfriend. It's time for Can We Just Talk About This? Where real talk meets real life in the world of fitness and health during perimenopause. I'm nutrition, strength, and hormone coach Corey Jackson, and I'm chatting with my brilliant friend, coach and exercise physiologist Dr. Mandy Para. Whether you're in your 50s like me or your 30s like Mandy, we're here to navigate the ever-evolving journey of life, motherhood, and perimenopause together. So pull up a seat, get comfy, and let's talk about this. Hey, girlfriend. Last week, Mandy and I gave you our recommendations as health professionals and exercise scientists of what activities you should really be focusing on to optimize your own health. We talked about the nuts and the bolts, about creating a healthy diet, an effective exercise routine, and efficient sleep. We also stressed that managing stress is paramount because an out-of-control stress response can undermine all of your efforts in these areas. Now this week, we give you an honest picture of how we fit this into our lives. And I hope you weren't expecting an Instagram picture-perfect representation of fitness because we get real. We show you what it's like to live a healthy lifestyle day in and day out in all the seasons and busyness of life. And what is healthy at some points is actually a lot different than at others. And that goes back to the biggest rock of stress management. Mandy drops some deep wisdom about self-awareness and recognizing how to outsource and pull back on your routines when burnout is imminent. We talked about sharing the load, about resisting the urge to diminish your stress load with a happy face and a, I can do it all, I'm superwoman mentality. Because that insistence upon carrying the whole weight of responsibility for your fitness, your family, your job, your relationships, your household, Not only can it lead to real, physiologically rooted health problems later in life, it also deprives those that love and care for us the opportunity to extend grace and help us carry the load. When I was editing this episode, I realized that Mandy asked me an important question, and I didn't answer it. Maybe I got distracted by a memory and a story I wanted to share, or... Maybe the answer just felt too big to expose at that moment. She asked me, how do you think someone else would rate your stress level? And I think that that's a vital question for every woman to truly ask herself. So I decided I needed to answer it. I've gotten to do a lot of really cool things in my life, but because they were cool, because they were privileges, I diminished the stress that came with them. And if I were an observer watching my life from the outside, I would have watched with awe, (laughs) with fear, and probably a little sadness, because I put too much stress on myself for too long to stay lean and fit, and to excel at every single thing I put my hand to. Even when the season of life I was in called for other priorities to rise to the top, I just did it all. I wrote a letter to my younger self about this, and if you're interested in that, you can go to my blog at canwejusttalkaboutthis.com. I'll put a link in the show notes to that blog for you. All right, enjoy the show. Hello, ladies. Welcome back to Can We Just Talk About This? Mandy and I are going to have a conversation about how we fit the stuff, the success habits of health and fitness into our daily lives. And we have a really raw and authentic conversation ahead because life comes in seasons and you just can't really predict what's going to hit when it hits. So uh, you have to be able to be flexible and to roll with the punches. I think that this is going to be a very eye-opening life lesson kind of episode because we're going to be able to talk about the practical things that happen to everyone in different phases of their lives so that we can adapt and continue changing and continue staying successful. I think that it's neat because the two of us, again, 
are in two different rushes of life. Right. Right? I have young kids at home. I have three young kids and the, the, the daily grind of trying not to rush through this phase of childhood and move from one activity to the next and trying to hold on to the infant phase of my youngest and trying to love the toddler phase. Does anybody though love toddler phase? trying to love the toddler phase and trying to watch my oldest, you know, grow into more of a man, I think. And then watching you and learning from you again, through some of the things that you're going through, I'd love to hear from you first and just hear what the season that you're in. And um, let's just open up and get a little bit raw, like you said, about what's going on in your life right now. And the reason we decided to open with this is because I think it's easy as women to look at other women and go, it must be easy for her. Right. And it oh, must be goodness. nice. She does that because X, Y, Z, but I could never do that. So I think we want to just share a little bit about what's going on in our life and then help you with some of the things that we do to maintain a healthy lifestyle within all of this. So Corey, tell us about what's going on with you right now. Let's let's talk about wow, it. Oh, wow. I'm not sure I can talk fast enough to keep up with it all, but <laughs> we'll do our best. I find myself in a season where I am, I don't have kids at home. My guys, they both are in established, serious relationships. They both are in careers. Uh, they're running their own lives and they're pretty darn responsible. Pretty pleased with that. <laughs> Parenting never ends. It just changes. We want to stay available to them. We want to make sure that we're there when they need us. I find myself in a season where I am running three different businesses. They're fledglings. When they're fledglings and you're a solopreneur doing it all by yourself, it's It is a crush. It is a lot of responsibility. And I also find myself in a phase where my self-care has to be paramount or else I, I crumble. I don't function. In a way, I admire entrepreneurs that can work till midnight on their computer, getting stuff done. But then also I think that that's two things right there. One that is poor time management. And I can't say I'm very good at it myself. And two, that is just setting yourself up for sleep dysfunction later on in life, even if you're fine now. I find that I can't stay on a computer screen beyond six o'clock, 6.37 at the latest, because there's something about the blue light and the particular spectrum of my monitor that combined with trying to keep my brain that active that late in the day will keep me up till midnight. Mm -hmm. You know better. Yes. And my day starts early. I was just telling you in the green room, I've been running since 6am this morning. I've never been very good about protecting my mornings, but I do protect my evenings. And that I think is a, an important piece. And so I could just start right there. My theory is that everything goes back to a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. And if you are not getting a good night's sleep, then you are going to be clipped at the, at the knees. I don't always sleep very well. But if I don't take care of the evenings, then I know it's going to be worse. My husband, bless his heart, a nerd, total nerd, computer guy, programmer. If any of you live with a programmer, he sees beauty in code. It's so interesting. So he can read the matrix and I can't. (laughs) So I can say goodbye to the computer screen early in the day. No problem. But if he's laying awake thinking about code, which he does, (laughs) how to make things work. He'll get up and work for an hour and a half in the middle of the night, come back to bed. doesn't phase him. It's amazing to me. And I also find that if I'm reading on my phone at night to wind down, if I flip the screen so that it is white on black, it doesn't give me the same blue light response. Mm -hmm. Television doesn't give me the same blue light response as a computer. I don't know what that is. I think it might, I think it might be the fact that I have, my brain is on at the same time that I'm having that optical nerve stimulus. So it combines to keep me awake, but that's my, the first thing that I do. And I've been doing something for a long time, even before all of the, the popular science caught up with the, the sleep things, all the strategies that you apply to get a good night's sleep. I've been turning down the lights in my house 
at, at dinner time, you know, as early as dinner time is, it doesn't matter if it's at 5.30, especially when my kids were young. If dinner time was at 5.30 after a time change, right. <laughs> um, we close the blinds, we close the curtains, lights go down. That's to get you set on a good schedule. And it, that was really beneficial and helpful for the kids. After bath time, no lights, no extra lights. We function with red light, night lights. And if you have blue or LED night lights, consider changing those out for a, like a red spectrum. Something warm light is going to be helpful to get everyone to sleep. I have a client right now who is, she's struggling with sleep, but so are her kids. And as moms, we know that if your kids aren't sleeping, who are they going to come wake up? Yeah, we know. (laughs) Mine tended to wake up dad more. I don't know what that probably because well, I, I'm probably a bear. Don't talk to me right now. <laughs> no, they would come to me if they, they were sick. If they just couldn't sleep, they would go to dad. And he talks about how he would wake up. You can feel a child staring at you. And that wakes you up without you even opening your eyes. He talks about how he would open his eyes. And there's my youngest standing there. And he'd say, I can't sleep, dad. And, <laughs> and dad would say, me neither. You know why? because there's a little boy that just woke me up. (laughs) At least it's sweet, right? Yeah, at least it's sweet when it happens. Mm -hmm. So protecting your evenings, protecting your energy, and protecting self-care have become paramount to me. Now, aside from that, especially during busy seasons, I try to get in at least 15 to 20 minutes worth of activity. I'm in a constant battle against all or nothing. That has always been a a struggle for me because I love activity. I love feeling strong. I love feeling fast and agile. And to be able to do that stuff is is just such a rush to me. And I think that's because I grew up, I was not very... I was not very coordinated. I was a klutz. I was overweight when I was younger. I was in the marching band before it was cool to be in marching band. And so I, if I have just a slight amount, just a modicum, just a flicker of athleticism, I'm going to grab a hold of that with both hands and do what I can with it because it's one of those things that I have always admired. The physical intelligence that athleticism embodies has always been something I've admired. Whenever I found this is something I can do, even if I do have to work really hard at it, I go all in and it's not hard for me to spend too much time on it because it's something I love. What is hard for me to do is spend just 10 to 20 minutes because it feels like I'm just barely going to be warmed up in 10 to 20 minutes. So how is this going to do me any good? I might as well just continue sitting in my chair and working. But I also know that leads to problems for me the next day or overnight for sleep. One of the biggest life phrases that I have adopted over the last couple of years, do not let perfection become the enemy of done. Mm, I like that. Yeah, it's been, that's been huge. So if I am seeking for all out best and that nothing else will do, then that paralyzes me and I won't get anything done. But the science shows that small changes go further, that a 10 minute walk is better than an hour long workout. Because if you can get up and do activity throughout the day, that's going to be better for all of your systems than that one workout that takes all your time. And then you have to spend the rest of your time stationary or sedentary, then that you're going to have better results if you're able to get, do it more frequently. And small bites. Yes, small bites. Speaking of bites, <laughs> meal prep has been a lifesaver, a life changer for my husband and I both. We started that when the kids were in high school. I think we just have made a lifestyle of living with our hair on fire. <laughs> mm-hmm. We both went back to school when we had kids. He finished his, and then as a result, he was in his final year in his undergraduate degree, he had signed up to be the soccer coach for the five-year-old soccer team and he couldn't do it because he didn't have the time. So 
I've never coached anything. I've never even played a team sport. And I suddenly find myself the soccer coach for the five-year-olds. <laughs> so I jumped, I jumped in and I pinched it. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago about it's not 50-50. It's not even a hundred hundred. Sometimes it's 80, 20. And that's, so I, I was the 80 at that point. And that's fine because he became the 80 for a long time too. <laughs> and because we leapfrogged as far as our education went and we're leapfrogging now in, in our professions as well. His busyness, um, for a, an important thing, um, became my busyness as well. And that's fine. That's part of partnership. You're there to help each other and carry each other. We've always been very involved in our church, which is wonderful and something we would never trade, but it is a time commitment. And um, the kids have always been busy too. We require that they did sports in junior high. And then in high school, their interests just were quite diverse. Our oldest was in marching band the entire four years and chess club and math club and a few other things along those lines. Our youngest did marching band for two years and then powerlifting and then debate for three years. And then he wanted to try every single sport he could. And just living five minutes from the school gave an excuse, even if it was a subconscious excuse, to forget things. Because surely someone can bring me something. <laughs> so even in, up into the senior year, I'm taking projects up to the school. <laughs> it was, oy. If you don't have your daily habits on lock for yourself, just little things like that are going to take precedence. Next thing you know, you're skipping meals and so that you can run errands and do this thing for this person and that thing for this other person or your job or your boss or anyone that requires attention. We as women have a tendency to put everyone else's needs ahead of our own. And even when we know consciously, we're aware that if we don't take care of ourselves, we're not going to have anything to take care of everyone else with. We still let that slide. It's real easy to let our own self-care become the very last priority. And so if you skip lunch, and next thing you know, it's four o'clock and the last thing you ate was a boiled egg at 730. Then that's when the hangry starts. And yeah. that's when you start tasting all the foods while you're cooking and uh, snacking on this or that and putting out a charcuterie so you can eat all of it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Right, exactly. Or you get so stressed that it's really easy to pour yourself a glass of wine while you're cooking. But then you have the, the alcohol hit your blood system without any food there to blunt the response that will impact the rest of your evening. Mm -hmm. Um, I could just go down every rabbit trail as far as this stuff goes, because been there, done that. I've tried them all. And I recognize what works and what doesn't, at least for myself. Right. Yeah. So if I know Sunday evening that I at least have some of the foods that I'm going to be eating through the week prepared, I have all the proteins prepared. And even if half of it is in the freezer, which from a food safety perspective is a good idea, as long as it's already prepared and I can put it, put a vegetable with it, put a quick carbohydrate with it, then at least for dinners, if I just, if I have dinners and breakfast on lock, then other stuff will just, it falls into place. It's huge for us. Um, my husband needs to have something grab and go for lunches and snacks. So we make sure that we buy foods that are ready to go, grab and go, but that are healthy. Mm -hmm. Or I'll batch make jerky or something along those lines, something high protein so that we have, he can just grab that and go. And then he doesn't even have to think about it. And I think that's the thing that gets it for him. We learned uh, several years ago that willpower is exhaustible and it's exhaustible by decision fatigue. So if you have to think about what am I going to eat for lunch today, if you're pulling yourself out of what you're thinking about during the day, during work to think about what am I going to feed myself, even if it's okay, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, which of these am I choosing? That is a decision. There's a reason that Mark Zuckerberg always wears t-shirts and hoodies because 
you don't have to think about it. (laughs) So nice. Exactly. Exactly. This is what we call frameworks. If you make it easier to do the healthy thing than it is to do the not healthy thing, then you're always going to do the healthy thing. I've seen refrigerators that are beautiful. Mine is not this right now, but you have all the, all of your meals stacked and you're, you have some kind of color coded labeling system set up there. So you have breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, all in a row, and you just have to grab it and pop it in the microwave or heat it somehow, then you don't have to think about it. So you have more mental energy available for everything else you're doing. Those are big things. And they've been big things for you. Yes, for sure. And then as the support person, if I have all that done on uh, Sunday, then he doesn't come to me and go, what should I eat today? (laughs) It's already done. So he doesn't have to pull me out of the mental space that I'm in when I'm working. It's so much better to be prepared. And set that tone for us too. So Mm -hmm. you guys both work from home right Mm -hmm. now. So you guys are together all day long. My husband works from home. So he's home all day and I work outside of the home. But I feel like when we are home and working together, a lot. It can turn into, hey, honey, can you? But I need, hey, and they'll say, stop, I am at work. (laughs) You can't ask me. So I feel like I really like that strategy of everything's done. You can, whoever the cook is in the home at the time, but it makes it a little easier and one less decision and one less, I'm in the hey mom phase, one less hey mom. And that's exactly what it starts feeling like. Like next thing you know, you feel like you have four children. (laughs) I always used to say I have four children, four boys. One is the dog (laughs) and the other is the husband. (laughs) It was an exaggeration because I did go to school for 10 years (laughs) in the middle of all that. Even if I, if he is stuck on a conference call through lunch and he's starving, if it's already prepared, I don't have to choose either. And I don't have to take 30, 40 minutes out of my day to prepare something for him. So it's it just becomes easier for us. And also, I will say that we have this dynamic. We've always loved to work on a project together. I understand that's not common, <laughs> but we do enjoy it. And now we can't really work out together because we both try to coach each other. And that's, yes, that's, I, we have the same problem at my house. I understand that. <laughs> it gets Working together is a completely different thing because we recognize that we each have strengths that fill in the other's weaknesses. But at, because of that, either one of us can pick up the slack for the other mm-hmm. because we specialize in certain things, but then there are other things that are just household chores. This is just part of living in the same space. So there is no such thing as my chores and his chores. We don't really struggle with duties divided along gender lines or anything like that. That's never really been a thing for us. I do recognize that's a struggle for some people and it's hard to get out of that. Just patiently standing your ground is I guess the best way to do it. There's a lot of education in social media around this too. Men are actually speaking to other men you have to share the load too. You can't expect favor because you did the dishes once, especially new boundaries around this. And I think that in the eighties, even some of the nineties too, we see a lot of the gender roles and female does the work. And then the male, no matter whether she worked inside or outside of the home, came home, took on the load of caring for and feeding the kids and males, typically didn't do quite as much. Right. Um, and we're seeing a really big shift. And I think it's really helpful. I think that we as females need to like wake up and say, wow, this is an awesome transition of, of men saying, I-, I need to, I want to right. help. I want to take off your mental load. I want to help serve my family in a bigger way because it frees us up to be able to take care of ourselves, yes. to be able to be healthier and to manage our stress better and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I wanted to ask you about. What do you do to manage stress in your home? And because again, you two work together, owning and running businesses is a lot. And I'm sure that your stress load is fairly high. And I'm going to ask you this question because I feel like this sets you outside of your own brain and your stress. And so I ask clients this a lot, because if you ask somebody, Hey, rate your stress for me, especially females, especially Mm -hmm. women. We always say, oh, my stress is 
four, five, it's manageable. One, if zero were no stress at all, and 10 were my stress is unmanageable. Yeah. So now I always say this. So I want you to rate your overall stress for me. Zero is no stress at all. 10 is overwhelming stress and I can't manage it. How do you feel like another person would manage your stress load? That's a good way to, that's a good way to look at that. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you feel? What do you think? (laughs) I have fallen into that. I would definitely be categorized like you just described of completely diminishing my stress load until 2020. And that's when I realized that all of these things have happened and there was lead up to it. And then I started seeing the um, impacts on my body and on my emotional health, my mental state. And I had to pull myself out of that and stop and look at what's going on. Why are all these things happening at once? And then I realized it isn't really at once. There's been about a two year lead up to this and all of these things happened. I had such a buildup of the stressors that once the rug was pulled out from under us collectively as a society, I couldn't cope. And so that, that was when I realized this, I need to do a better job of managing my stress and then, and also managing the household stress. And I think that that's a really good lead up to this question because you hear silly sayings like, if mama ain't happy, ain't no one happy wife, happy life, all of those things. (laughs) It feels like uh, sometimes those phrases are trying to give us permission just to be crabby, (laughs) to not manage. And you don't really, we don't really have an excuse. We need to be able to manage as much as anyone needs to be able to manage. And you need it for yourself, not just for those that you love. So one of the things that I make sure I do is get sun every day during the hot temperatures, like we're set for another 105 degree day out of how many, and probably another string of them. I make sure I get outside before 10 a.m., and get some sun. That might be a walk. That might be just coffee on the porch so that I know that is going to help me manage my, my, my mental health. It helps me to fight against my tendency towards melancholy. And, and when I'm not sleeping well, it's worse. So I better get that walk. I better prioritize that. And when my husband joins me, it makes it even better because we both start on a good, a good mental health place. And that also gives us an opportunity to have like our morning sync up. What's on your plate today? What are you doing? And if I know that it's going to be a hectic back-to-back day for him, then I can move some things around in my day so that I can be there to be a support for him. And vice versa. If he knows that my day is going to be crazy, then he can move some pieces around. And it's important to work together, especially when you're working together. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the first time in our 20, almost 30 years of marriage that I have actually had a dedicated space that is just mine. It is. It definitely is. Like prior to that, I've had a, because I needed a desk, I needed to be able to study at home to be available for the kids when they needed me. So I had a desk in my bedroom and it was my desk and it was always piled high with scattered papers just so I could put my hand on it. So many printouts of scientific studies, (laughs) it was just all the stuff, but the bedroom is the magic room and that tends to make it less magical of a cluttered cluttered desk. Yeah. And then if it wasn't the desk, it was the kitchen. I would always have this five square feet of space, which was like, this is the stuff that I need to manage the household, the admin Mm -hmm. stuff. And then there I would have a, like half of a drawer in the family file cabinet. So I'm spread out everywhere. My husband has his own office with a desk because he works at home and um, a corner for all of his uh, music gear. And I'm like, you can close a door and shut out the rest of the house. (laughs) The only place I can do that is the bathroom. And and (laughs) you don't get it. (laughs) That's not as awesome. (laughs) But if you can get your own space, even if it's just a corner, Somewhere that really helps too. 
But having a door that you can close, even if it's just to for five minutes to deep breathe, that's going to be a big, a big thing. And I know that is hard when your kids are your age and they're knocking on the door. Mommy, mommy, where are you? What are you doing? What's happening? Are you pooping? What's happening? Yeah. And you can't live without knowing that, can you? They have to know exactly what you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. Those are just some of the things that I do. I protect my sleep. I protect 10 to 20 minutes at least of fitness. If I have more time than that, then bonus. I try to meal prep. I try to drink as much water as possible and with electrolytes. And I have a door (laughs) that I can close. And I shut the door sometimes, which is in the door. It is. And you know, that is self-care. There are so many... I think self-care has gotten this really, you need to go on a hike or you need to get a manicure or you need to get a massage. And we had a, a psychologist come in not long ago to one of my classes to speak. And she, she made this very point of self-care is waking up and getting yourself ready for the day, combing your hair, getting yourself dressed. All of these things count as self-care. Absolutely. Even those things as mothers, I think back to the newborn phase where you don't brush your hair. You don't brush your teeth. You don't change your clothes and actual self-care really fall by the wayside. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to remember too, that when we say self-care means even the basic things of caring for your body, and that can mean a walk, that can mean getting up and putting your makeup on, that can mean combing your hair and putting on an outfit that that you like or putting on comfy clothes, putting on pajamas at the end of the day. For me, coming home right now, taking off my work clothes and just putting my pajamas on is a a form of self-care. And I always just stop and go, ah, this feels good. And and sometimes that's all I get for the day. It's one thing. Prioritizing nutrition, making sure you feed yourself, all of these things that we tend to think everybody has to eat and we have a lot of a grabbing of food and multitasking culture. So we don't realize that if I grab fast food and I eat that on the way to soccer practice or whatever, that's not self-care. Whereas taking the time to pack a healthy snack or a healthy meal for myself when I'm doing these other things, that is self-care. That goes further than manicure. And I love my manicures, but <laughs> that definitely goes further. So yeah, you are in a new and interesting phase of life. And so your self-care is probably going to change. At least the way that Yes, we may have some changes coming with lifestyle very soon. So we have young kids, still have an a eight-month-old, a three-year-old, and an eight-year-old at home. So we are in the the busyness of raising kids. I have a full-time job. Um, I'm a full-time professor with a research load here. I run the human performance lab here at Mary Harden Baylor. So we've got research going on. That's just, that's a busy workload already. And I run my own business on the side as well. So it is go right now. And so we are moving into a chapter of our life where we are going to be caretaking for a family member. Mm. And so I feel like that is, it's a whole new load and it's probably going to be a whole new, not, I wouldn't say stressor because I know that it's going to be wonderful to have her here and to be able to caretake for her. But I do know that it's going to, it's going to change my family dynamic. It's going to change the way that I can care for myself. It's going to change the way that I can care for other people in my life. So it's going to be interesting. And and you mentioned that sandwiching yes, sandwich time. And so I'm, I'm beginning that a lot earlier than I thought. I have um, older grandparents that are still living and my, my parents are taking care of them. Mm. But on my husband's side, we are the next in line to take care of his aging grandparents. Mm. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be great and I'm excited, but it is going to change um, a lot of things. So I'm really starting to reprioritize all of the things that we talked about last week in nutrition, exercise, and sleep, and stress, and instituting things like boundaries. Yes. Um, when, when can I agree to do something? And when can I say, you know what? I can't do that today. And it's already started this yeah. morning. We were talking before in the green room about thing, about sharing and being open. I think one of the things that's helping me is to 
just stop and be open with my situation. I feel like I love giving grace when I can. And I love just extending grace. I think that it makes me feel good to extend grace. And you very graciously said something back to me. It's important to have grace for yourself. And it is also important to share where you are and what you're going through so that others can have grace for you as well. We have a tendency to give and we try to do it all, all at once and not share the load. Kind of a guiding principle for me is if I am standing in a position that I am no longer supposed to be occupying, I am keeping that from the person that is supposed to be occupying it. So if I am holding on to a whole, a load that I shouldn't be holding, then I am depriving someone else of their opportunity to step in and do the thing that they should be doing. When we recognize that we're all connected, that's when we are able to share things like that more instead of feeling like I have to be superwoman. I have to do all of this all by myself. What are you doing that someone else should have the privilege to do? Yeah. It's super important to be able to share that kind of thing. Now, I tend to take this to the other extreme. And I think we've noticed that I am an oversharer. I've always been an (laughs) oversharer. I'm an undersharer. I give you like talking points. And a lot of times my husband's like, you missed a lot of big details in there that I needed to hear. And I didn't feel like you wanted to hear me. So I just, you know, gave you the bullets and moved on. And I always give bullets and it's not with my husband. It's with anybody. I always give bullets. And then I feel like if they're interested, they keep, Oh, ask, or they talk more. They ask follow-up questions Mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. But if that's it, we just finished the conversation we can go. We're done. And I think too, I do think it's a phase of life thing. I feel this is the rush, right? Mm -hmm. This is the rush of life where I'm up at six. I'm getting myself and kids ready. I sometimes get in the car and go, Hmm. I did not feed myself today, right? right? I forgot to eat. I fed everyone else. So it's the rush of the lifestyle. And all of that is through my own decision-making and my own goals and the things that I want for my career and for my kids and for my life, my lifestyle. But I think uh, managing and balancing all of those things is really hard right now, but it's also really a blessing. I want to be sure that I say in this time, this is the time that it is, it is hard to stay on track. And I go, I'm coming from bodybuilding days and we say bodybuilding. I did like physique and figure Mm -hmm. bikini competitions Mm -hmm. when I was in my early to late twenties and did all natural shows and, and enjoyed it. I loved every minute of it. I learned a ton about my body and how it works and nutrition and diet and lifestyle. And I did it all though, when I was single Mm -hmm. and I did it all when I didn't have kids, I had two dogs. And when I would come home and have dieted all day and your hormones are just on edge and your whole body's on edge, they, I would yell at my dogs and not at a family. (laughs) And it makes a big difference. It does. So now even um, going through postpartum weight loss phases, it looks a lot different. It looks a whole lot different than it did in my bodybuilding days. And I work with a lot of clients that I would call competition recovery clients or even post-diet recovery. I have a lot of clients that actually have worked with a really bad coach. Oh, yes. And that's something that I specialize in is helping people heal emotionally, physically, and metabolically from a really bad coach who would have, that would have been high restriction. You can't eat fruit. You can't eat sugar, period. There were all these rules about food and rules about when you can exercise. This came from having a really bad coach myself, had walking pneumonia during competition prep. Oh, wow. I was sick as a dog and I was leaving work for the day because I was so sick. I didn't know that I had pneumonia at that point, but I was so sick and leaving work today. And he worked in the same facility. And um, he told me as I was walking out, I better see your fat ass on the Stairmaster at 5 a.m. tomorrow. And I went, okay, I'll be there. So you don't want to be a loser, right? You want to win, right? Okay, Corey's ready to fight already. Mm -hmm. So setting the tone for just 
some of the things that I think we think as women that I, I have to do this to look like this. As a millennial right now, I see all of the morning routines of every millennial out there. And they wake up with their perfect hair and makeup done and roll out and put their comfy sweats on. And they look at their crystal for a while and journal. And if I wake up with a kid not with a, eating a cookie over my bed or something, I'm like, this is a good day. Let's go. This is great. I get to wake everybody up today on my terms. I'm ready. Yes. I just think that we have to keep in mind what our actual healthy lifestyle is and what it's not. And one more thing as I'm setting the tone, the umbrella for how I set up my lifestyle, I want to I want to reiterate what a healthy lifestyle is not. And another thing that I usually encourage clients to do when they're in this recovery phase, this diet recovery and mental recovery almost from thinking that I need to look a certain way, or I have to follow these rules to be fit or follow these rules to be healthy or lean or any of those things. I want to reiterate that what is a big factor in that looking at your social media. And I have a rule that if I follow someone that posts pictures of themselves in a bikini twice in a row, they got to go. Oh, that's good. Um, because it is, it's just this visual challenge of you, you actually don't know what their lifestyle is. You don't know if they're eating healthy. You don't know if they're an, a lot of them. You'd be so amazed at, first of all, how many of them use Photoshop to change yes. their images. Yes. And then how many of them are actually on hormones, anabolic steroids, just in a absolute just destruction of their hormonal profile to look that way. Absolutely. They may look killer right now, but at some point that breaks that system, that hormones, the exogenous hormones like that, that are completely not regulated Mm. by a doctor, not in healthy doses. That is going to break a system at some point. And it, it's really ugly. I've seen it firsthand with clients and with friends that have done shows like this and, or that, are just obsessed with an image of looking a specific way that eventually that breaks. And then we have to heal and it takes a long time to heal after that. So I think that just understanding that your body is going to, it can look however you want it to. You can change your body. Absolutely. But show me your habits, right? And I'll show you your future. So show me the things that are really important to you. Show me the things that you work hard on. Show me the systems that you've put in place to be healthy. And I can probably give you a good idea of what your body composition will look like. So when I say that right now, I refuse to get up at 5 a.m. and do a cardio session. Yes. I refuse. Sister. I'm not doing it. Right. I'm going to wake up before my kids right now because my infant is just now we are two nights in and sleeping through the night, baby. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. 7 a.m. or 7 p.m. to 6 or 7 a.m. And I am loving it. Very nice. So we're sleeping through the night. So now I can start to think about, I could get up and do a little run in the morning if I wanted to, if I wanted to be alone, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If I wanted to accelerate some of my fat loss, I could probably do something like that, right? In a healthy dose. So the things that I'm not willing to do, I'm not willing to sacrifice more time with my family. So that means... When I'm done with work at four o'clock, I'm not going to CrossFit after work. I'm not going to work out at four o'clock to five o'clock. I'm not doing it. I want to go home. I want to spend time with my kids. I want to cook a meal. I could accelerate my fat loss goals, but I, I refuse to. So that means I eat my lunch at my desk and I go for a workout during my lunch break, which I take it at around 2.30 or 3. I've worked out my lifestyle to put my goals in there because my goal is spend time with my family, cook their meals at night, and then have a little bit of exercise time throughout the day. So I built it in different places because if I wanted to have a much leaner physique, or if I, again, if I wanted to accelerate fat loss goals, I could sacrifice other things and do that, but that's not what I want to do right, right now. So I can't have both. Absolutely. And I just, I wanted to just comment that at what cost would you be trying to accelerate fat loss when you're adding another stressor on top of a stress system? Just goes back to what we were talking about last week. If you're not getting the sleep you need because you have a newborn in the house, then 
taking that extra hour on the pillow is going to be so much more helpful for your overall health and your fat loss than getting up an hour early to run. And amen to that. I heard a, a, a popular diet author. She, she says that guilt is fattening. Oh my gosh. That's huge. Isn't that good? Because so if you were sacrificing that meal time and that time with your family to go to CrossFit, you can't even quantify the amount of mom guilt that you would put upon yourself for that. Yeah. You're doing all the good stuff. And I love that you brought those things up because that, that sounds opposite of the stuff that we think we should be doing. Yes. And I'm so glad you brought it back around to the scientific principles of it. That is a body stressor. I'm only putting my body through more stress by getting up, running, especially if it were a fasted situation, mm -hmm. and then coming home and trying to get everybody ready and get myself ready mm -hmm. and get out the door and then move on, like walking into the lab and seeing a blood drop going on. What else? So you're exactly right. The physiological response from that would not be beneficial to me. Now, right when I was single and getting up in the morning to do my little cardio and just get myself ready. We're in a different situation, right? right? Or even when your kids are older, yeah. when they're able to pour a bowl of cereal for themselves in the morning, when you're coming in from a run, life is in seasons and we can't be everything all the time. You, it can't be all on all the time. Um, yes. to, oh, that's just so liberating. Just throw off the shackles of any expectation that you have put on yourself thinking that, well, Beyonce lost all the weight really fast. So surely I should be able to no back off, <laughs> back that truck up. <laughs> you back, right. back that thing up. My body composition is on purpose right now. Yes. I am losing weight slowly with a purpose and I'm doing it within boundaries of what works with my family yes. and I'm able to do it without all the guilt. Right. So when we talk about all these things, when I, to make a plan for nutrition for myself, I just sit down, I actually sit down on Fridays and I fill out a calendar of what we're going to eat for the week. And I put in that calendar, my snacks and my, my dinner plans and my lunches. Now, I don't meal plan for my husband. He likes to sometimes go out. He likes to get out of the house and visit people and actually have human interaction. But I don't usually plan for him. There are weeks that he wants me to meal prep my, when I meal prep for myself with him for his lunches. And, and I do that, but I let him tell me when sure. his lunch is made. So I usually plan all that out on Friday. I grocery shop online on Saturday. I pick up on Sunday. Perfect. So I just batch it all out. And then Sunday, once I pick up the groceries, I come home and I cook my proteins for the week mm -hmm. a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So that means lunch proteins and dinner proteins. Mm -hmm. And if I don't cook them, I'll have a plan for like the crock pot or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's easy. We, I just keep Taco Tuesday every Tuesday because it's the easiest meal of the week. It's, it's probably <laughs> the most popular meal of the week too, right? <laughs> Absolutely. The night that everybody eats well. Mm -hmm. I just have a lot of really strong habits throughout the week and the kids know what to expect and they love knowing what to expect yes. all, all week long. My husband knows what's for dinner and if he sees it on the refrigerator and there are things that haven't been done before I get home, sometimes he'll have prepped a few things and put a few things together mm -hmm. for us. And then I just come in, cook while everybody plays. And it's usually a very fast 20 minute slap everything together and, and we go. And so for those things, I usually keep it really simple. I prep a protein that's very easy and that can be changed last minute. Yes. So if I forget something, so I'll cook a bunch of chicken and one night we'll have barbecue chicken. One night we'll have nachos and one night I'll shred it and make enchiladas and things like that. So I can multi-purpose proteins. That's huge. Yeah. It helps a ton. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then crock pot meals and stuff. So that's how I do my week. I have the very same lunch every day until I get tired of it. It's the Mark Zuckerberg effect, yes. right? It's not broke. Don't fix it. Yeah. I feel like the things that I'm losing in variety, I'm gaining in consistency. Mm -hmm. So I'm not having a different flavors every week, but I really enjoy the flavors that I'm having each day. I still look forward to my lunch, even though it's just keeping it simple. So those kinds of things. And then breakfast is a toss up between overnight oats or egg bites that are store bought that I just heat up and things like that. Breakfast is the fastest one. So I just try to keep it simple. So those are kind of my nutrition staples that I, I always say with nutrition, the, the simpler you can make it, 
the the easier it is on your mental load. And I feel like, again, the things that you're losing in variety, you're gaining in consistency. Take your, take your time, build those things in, just find foods that you like and use a lot of seasonings to flavor them. And I think that you'll, I think that you, you'll end up enjoying your food just because it's, you know, that it's nutritious. For sure. For sure. You have chosen done over perfect. And I love that because we could really get in the weeds of how eating the same thing could cause food sensitivities or, or nutrient deficiencies, all of those different things. If you don't have the variety that, that you think you need in your diet, but if you're always looking for variety, you might be giving yourself this subconscious habit of every meal has to be gourmet. And so then that's, that is a perfection state that no one can live in. And if it's not gourmet, it might as well at least be something tasty. So let's go for hamburgers or pizza or fast foods. They're hyper palatable, but aren't necessarily serving your health. So what you can put on autopilot, you have, and Mm -hmm. you are making sure you're feeding yourself, you're nourishing yourself well with good and healthy nutrients, even if it is the same thing, putting it on all of autopilot and choosing to enjoy that. Yes. And that's but, huge. I think so. It really is. I, it I is. think that a lot of people too will stop and go, I can't have the same thing every day. Now what do I do? I should just do nothing. Yeah. I just don't know. And I think you're exactly right in your point of a lot of people will get paralyzed by the choice mm-hmm. to the point you made earlier. That's a choice that I don't have to make right. anymore. I know what I'm doing. It's the easiest thing. And now I can use my mental capacity for worrying about a student that was in my office crying earlier. Mm-hmm. What am I going to have for lunch? I know what I'm having for lunch. It's in the fridge. Right. I can maintain this relationship. I can feed myself and handle everything else. So it's one less decision. And I would say one other thing, when I was in grad school, the grad school budget issue, I couldn't afford anything but frozen vegetables mm-hmm. or canned vegetables. I didn't have time to prep them. I, if they, I cooked them, they would go bad before I would eat them. And so now I have the option to buy fresh pre-chopped vegetables. So as my budget has changed, I have an investment. I can invest in different things. Right. And so right now I would rather pay for the pre-chopped vegetables that I just pour in and cook. Mm-hmm. Then I would do the frozen because they would last longer mm-hmm. and things like that. Right. When I was pregnant, I used a meal prep company and I can afford a meal prep company mm-hmm. right now because I work. Mm-hmm. Whereas in grad school, there's no way that right. would work. Right. So, I think leaning in on some of these resources that that you can and cutting corners when you can cut corners is really important when you're in a busy season. Where where can I outsource a little bit of help and a little bit of care? Yes, yes. If there had been curbside or online grocery shopping when my kids were small, I never would have gone to the grocery store. That was one of the most stressful times of the day. <laughs> I was trying to grocery shop with a five-year-old and an eight-year-old. <laughs> Neither of them wanted to be there. So they're trying to make it fun by pushing all the buttons or hiding next to the paper towels. You can feel the cortisol just creeping up into your throat. <laughs> yes. Out of your system, right? Thank you, Jesus, for... Online shopping. <laughs> oh, it's a game changer. Yeah, it really absolutely is. it is. Take advantage of any of those services. It is, it's real easy to go, oh, but they don't give me the, the prettiest apples or whatever. Maybe yes. that's okay right now. And I, <laughs> I love that phrase outsourcing because I think you're going to uh, probably get to a point in the next several weeks, if you haven't already, that you're going to need to find ways to outsource support. Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up. I I had this conversation this week with a client who was telling me that she had some burnout and I experienced that burnout two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And I just, I put a hard stop on a lot of things. I put a hard stop on my exercise routine Mm -hmm. and I just said, okay, we're going to walk or I'm going to walk into the gym and I'm going to do two sets. Good for you. And if I feel good, I'm going to keep going. If I don't feel good, I'm walking out. So that's what I did. And you know what? Every day that week I did two sets and I left Mm -hmm. and I went and walked a little bit, went home. I called our little neighbor girl and I said, Hey, two nights this week, can I pay you to give the kids baths and get them in their jammies? So good. She was like, absolutely. (laughs) There's a really great little taco truck down the street that serves fresh Mexican food. 
and we all had tacos one night. I didn't cook. Taco so Tuesday, I'm taco Thursday. <laughs> we can do it twice a week, right? It's not hurting anybody. And when I don't make tacos, it's even Yes, better. ma'am. And then my husband actually called a friend down the street and said, hey, can I pay you to clean the house? And she was like, yeah, I would love to clean your house. So instead of it just being someone just cleaning around the perimeter and wiping things down, I came home to like my son's laundry folded in perfect piles and toys were all put in the right place and put away. And I'm telling you, it just, it made the world of difference in my life. I was able to recover. I was able to give myself the grace to recover. I was able to lean in and ask for help and get help, receive help from other people by just saying, I I've had too much. Mm -hmm. And once I started opening those doors and letting people help me, I was able to experience the recovery that I know that I wouldn't be in this recovered state had I not just put a hard stop, set the boundaries and ask for help. That self-awareness is beautiful to recognize the burnout as it's coming and know what corners you could cut the things that you really could outsource at certain stages in our lives. We haven't had the room in the budget to be able to call the neighbor to see, can you please clean my house or my neighbors are in the same spot as I'm in. So no, I can't clean your house. I can't even clean my house. (laughs) So that's the, that would have been the response at that point. You get to where you can accept that the towels aren't folded the way you would want them folded because a nine-year-old did it. And um, you're teaching them how to take care of things. You're raising small adults. So it's super important to be able to trust them with a chore and also not go back behind them and redo it. So <laughs> yeah, just let it go. you relieve some stress for yourself and you're, you're teaching them a valuable life skill that they're going to need. And sooner rather than later. And also learning that it's okay that your house is not model ready at every moment. Just embrace the lived in look. That will help to decrease the stress load. So much of our stress is internal and self-imposed. And if we can recognize that like you did in deciding that this week walking is better for me than lifting and, and as the weeks progress, having the neighbor come over and bathe the kids twice a week indefinitely might be a good thing because, and also I think you're in a wonderful place now that how beautiful, very rarely do kids get an opportunity to grow up around their great grandparents as closely as they will for a little while. That is a beautiful, cherished privilege. Our kids grew up in a town where we had no extended family. All of their grandparents lived in other places. To be able to see them was a three to four hour road trip. To have that relationship with a great grandparent, not even just a grandparent, a great grandparent is going to be such a wonderful memory for them. There is a certain point that Positivity becomes toxic, and I don't think we're there. No, but I think seeing it in the right light and making yes. sure that you're, you know, bringing it into the correct light to go, wow, this is going to be hard. However, right, comma, but there's definitely light. I think that goes back to some of the gratitude research, right? Can we see something hard, but when we stop and look at the gratitude within it, it's okay to see it in both lights. Wow, this is hard. However, I'm grateful. That changes the whole brain chemistry that changes the whole light of everything. Yes. Yes. So that's what we're working on too here. And I think I've hit everything in our buckets. Sleep is the last thing I think that I didn't hit and it's not sleep is hard right now only because we're working through infant sleep. But I would agree with you that it's the number one factor in a weight loss and fat loss for overall hormonal health. When you're looking at your overall health, that sleep and protecting your sleep is paramount. So consistent bedtime, turning lights down, all the things that you mentioned before are what we do in our home too, that taking a shower before bed and regulating your body temperature a little bit more. We don't do, I don't do TV in the evening because I get too excited Mm -hmm. about (laughs) all the lights and whatever's happening in the storyline. So I usually just relax and, and I read or reviewing. I usually review lectures mm-hmm. for the next mm-hmm. day in the evening in bed and things like that. But I really think that sleep is one of those 
secrets, right? Some of those things that people don't really look to when they look at a weight loss right. plan or even an overall health, hormonal health plan that they forget to go, oh, what's my sleep? What's my sleep and stress? For sure. For those two. And they go hand in For hand. For sure. Really. But, but managing all of those things is important. Yes. Often though, you find yourself in a place where that's not in your control, right? Mm -hmm. So what do you do when it's not in your control? And so when we went through some of these sleep regressions, time where baby was awake and there's nothing I can do, or we have a Saturday where we can sleep in and my boys are up at six, ready to roar. You know, what do you oh, do? I remember that. I think that's another time for just grace for yourself. So I don't, I'm not a napper for some reason. I just, I cannot, unless I am just completely exhausted nap. So for me, it's, I have to press back. So I have to rest when I can. That means my steps may decrease mm -hmm. a little bit. That probably means I'm not even going into the weight mm -hmm. room to try to lift. It means that I'm doing some body weight, some mobility, working on a little bit of balance, maybe some light band work. If I feel that I need the mental health boost of movement, right. it will be just a dynamic flexibility routine, kind yeah. of like a, a stretching walk through something like that. I make sure that my food is good. I make sure that my, I'm getting lots of antioxidants, lots of fruits and vegetables, lots of food from natural sources, right? right? Easily digestible foods and make sure that I'm drinking electrolytes. That would be a time when I'm not getting any sleep that I would for sure turn down alcohol. Right. It's just not good for my system right now. That will probably make me get sick if I have no yeah. sleep. Yeah. Alcohol really drops your immune response. Anything that you would do when you feel like you're starting to get sick are things that I typically do when I know that I'm very underrested. Yeah. What you just described is controlling what you can. Yeah. And that's even if we can't control the way the kids wake up, even if you can't control the way you wake up, even if you can't control the flux of your hormones, there are things you can control to make things much smoother. And that's it, ladies. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> I love that. Control what control. you can and just let the rest of the chips just fall as they may. If you're able to control those things and your reaction, your attitude is the number one thing that you can always control. I can't control someone else, but I can control my attitude and my reaction. That will play into whether or not I make the right choice to say no to alcohol when I haven't slept well, because I am controlling my attitude. If I come home after a bad night's sleep, after a crazy day and nothing went right, which that's probably about half of the days, you wake up with the preconceived <laughs> idea of the way things are going to be. And then everything else conspires against your plans. <laughs> if I come home from that and I decide, oh, that was awful and nothing went my way, the first thing I'm going to do is reach for something I don't need because I think mm -hmm. that is self-soothing. Um, but if I continue reframing my attitude and recognizing, well, the best thing that can happen here is how I respond to it, then I'm going to be able to continue exercising control and that's a victory. And that has that downstream effect. It's got downstream effect on hormones. It's got downstream effect on your full physiology of even things like your heart rate mm -hmm. and your uh, muscle tone, all of those things. When you make that decision, it has major downstream yes. effects in your overall systemic response. Yes. So yes. I love that. That advice is huge. Wonderful. Yeah. I have learned a lot from you today because seriously, I, I still fall prey to, I didn't sleep well last night. I really would love a glass of wine. <laughs> so yes, don't we all? That just feels good. I sometimes. know. It's, you know. Sometimes you got to yep. do it, but, <laughs> but as long as sometimes is not the majority, <laughs> it's not every time, then you're probably good. But I feel like we have had quite a few truth bombs drop in this conversation today. This is stuff that you don't always think about. You think I can control if I get into the weight room or I can control if I do get up and do my sprints. Maybe you're doing more is better, right? Maybe you're doing yeah. more harm than you're doing help. The only problem with that is you're not going to really, unless you are really overwhelming the system right now, you're not going to know how much harm you're doing until you're my age. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you start recognizing it. And then your hormones, yeah, change a lot. Mm -hmm. So I think speaking to the my age females that think that more is better, 
now is the time to start the slowdown, yes. to start taking care of your body instead of trying to lose the weight all the yes. time. When you care for your body, you will see your body composition change dramatically. Yes, yes. But it has to be a care and not a grind. And I think probably we can couch all of this in the most important health success habit of true, authentic love for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because you are not going to punish your way into health and fitness. You're, nope. you're not going to change because you hate yourself. Mm-hmm. The corollary, corollary of that is loving yourself isn't fully accepting self-soothing behaviors that are negative. Like, I love myself, so I deserve this cookie every night or this package of cookies. <laughs> if you love yourself, you can love yourself and recognize your value as a human Mm-hmm. but still want to change your body or still want to change your lifestyle, still want to change your life. If you are in a place where you don't like your job, but you love you, <laughs> you don't have to stay at that job. You can build your skills. You can build your knowledge and you can move on. You can up-level your position, but you won't do that if you aren't able to control your reaction and continue living in a place of love. There's no way you're going to love others if you don't love you. Full stop. I love that. Full stop. Wonderful. I think we've talked about it. (laughs) We just did. That was great. Thanks so much for talking about it with me. I sure needed the time we spent together, and I hope it left you feeling good too. If you enjoyed the episode, please like, subscribe, and share it with your friends to bring other girlfriends into the circle. And hey, let's do it again next week. Episodes drop every Monday, and you might even find a quick chat Friday every now and then.